This podcast is sponsored by Kingsdown Meadow, located in beautiful Kent countryside. New homes available. Search Serenity Parks. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Thanks for downloading today's podcast. It's Monday, January the 25th. Hope you had a good weekend. We're going to start off today hearing more about schools as some children start a fourth week of remote learning. Well, over the weekend, there were calls for the government to set out a so-called route map on when all pupils might go back to the classroom. But one Kent Academy boss says it's vital schools don't reopen for all pupils too early and risk yet another spike in COVID cases. Yesterday, the health secretary refused to confirm that children would return to school before Easter. Well, I've been speaking to David Whitehead, who's the chief exec of the Potential in Everyone Academy Trust in Swale. It'd be really good to have some notice of, of the plans to get all the children back to school. Um, we certainly didn't have much notice at the beginning of the um, term when we were in for one day and then um, the schools partially closed. Um, I think the route map to getting schools back is really simple, actually, because it's based on health and based on the science. We just need very good, hard and firm scientific evidence to show that schools will be safe and will reduce the uh, high community transmission rates that we had leading up to Christmas and just after. The health secretary refused to be drawn over the weekend as to whether schools could return before Easter. Have you already had in your mind some kind of idea as to what you think would happen? Well, we know that we will be in this situation up until half term. And with the time frames of a, of a two week notice period, that would suggest that sometime before the end of Easter, we may have some year groups back on a rotor and then hopefully all the children back for the summer terms. There's been another call as well for, for teachers to be added to the priority group for the vaccination. Presumably you would you would back that as well. Absolutely. Um, it, it would be uh, great if, if uh, all education staff could be in line to get the vaccine as soon as possible. But there are many other walks of society that are equally uh, prioritised for this vaccine. And I think it's really important to remember that although we would vaccinate all the staff and they would be at far less risk of, of uh, getting the virus, it still would be a virus that would be transmissible between the children that are in the schools and that would still put society at large at some considerable risk. So even having all the staff vaccinated wouldn't necessarily reduce the risk of community transmission. If it is that children don't go back until after Easter, Easter is at the, the very start of April, so that would have been another three months out of school for an awful lot of pupils. What sort of impact do you think that will have. There's been lots of talk of various different ways that children will be affected, whether it's just education or how they can then socialise with their friends. I mean, what, what are you most concerned about with children being out of school for that long? Well, when, when children returned after the summer holidays, we were expecting a huge impact on, on mental health and wellbeing. And quite fortunately, we didn't see that impact as greatly as we uh, feared. Um, and children are, by their very nature, extremely resilient. So I think our greatest concern in education about children returning is that, you know, we're not returning to a normal situation. We, we would have missed the, the best part of two years worth of academic years. So what this suggests to us as, a, as an educational profession is that this is a chance for us to step back 
and look at the bigger picture and perhaps for a big reset in education we need to look at the whole educational landscape here because we can't just fit these children back in like a jigsaw piece into into our syllabus into our curriculum into the assessment cycle we need to take a big step back and see you know what is it that we can do to reinvigorate education to re-establish how we can fill the gaps that may be there for these children how we can assess them against a backdrop which is not against you know the normal expectations in education everything is going to have to be realigned going forward Boris Johnson has also been speaking about this today and says reopening schools will be a priority for the government. However, the Prime Minister couldn't give a definite date as to when and said children would have to keep learning at home until it's safe to return. Let's hear some of what he had to say earlier. I know that's no substitute for direct face-to-face learning. Believe me, there's nothing I want to do more than reopen schools. We want to see schools back. We want to see them back as fast as Let's move on to news on the COVID vaccine now. And the former Debenham store in Folkestone is among 33 new vaccination centres to open across England today. More than 6.3 million people across the UK have now had their first dose, suggesting the programme is on track to reach 15 million people by the middle of next month. Meantime, those from ethnic minority backgrounds in Kent are being urged to take up the offer of a vaccine. It comes amid concerns. False information on social media about the contents of the jabs is contributing to patients not attending clinics. Govinda Sander runs Gravesend-based Cohesion Plus. He's been chatting to Ish. How important is it that we get that message out there within different diverse groups that they shouldn't worry and they should take up the vaccine when it's offered to them? Yeah, I think we certainly need to do that. And I'm hoping, you know, in Kent over the coming days and hopefully coming weeks, you know, there's an opportunity to do some, some more concerted kind of campaigning just to make sure we can provide that reassurance to people from diverse communities that, you know, the vaccine is safe and it's in their benefit to to get it done. What are your intentions and what could be done here in Kent? You know, as an organisation, we want to ensure that we're sending the right messages out. So, you know, by speaking to public health uh, team here in Kent, we want to get those messages out, you know, across the board. Uh, So, for example, we do a lot of online stuff. So some of the stuff I'm looking at is how we can, you know, as part of our online content, that we can share these messages out. Where do you think these reports stem from, that people from these types of groups, the diverse groups of people are worried about the vaccine? I think that one of the challenges we've got, we do live in a social media era. And, you know, what tends to happen is that, you know, rumours quickly spread and they're spread, you know, someone picks up on Facebook when it's spread on WhatsApp and before you know it, you know, the information gets out there widely. So, you know, I think all of us have got a responsibility to ensure that, you know, moving forward, that, you know, the right messages are sent out there. This virus does not discriminate when it comes to faith, you know, when it comes to religion, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to kind of background. So it's really important that we all you know, stand together as a communities of Kent and, you know, support each other and make sure not only as many people get the vaccine, but other people stay as safe as possible. Councils in England are going to be given £23 million to help tackle misinformation about the vaccine. Now, the Kent Online podcast has been told that around 100 asylum seekers who've been housed at a former army barracks in Kent will now be moved into hotels in a bid to make it easier to social distance. Only those at Napier Barracks in Folkestone who register a negative coronavirus test will be 
transferred, although they'll still have to self-isolate. It comes after more than 100 people at the site are thought to be suffering from COVID-19. Bridget Chapman from the Kent Refugee Action Network has welcomed the move today, but still has concerns over safety. Our ideal would be that accommodation, which the Home Office already has that is in the community where people have a front door and, you know, can engage, you know, once once they've got undergone any kind of isolation period, of course, they can, you know, go to local shops and ultimately engage with a community. I think it's much better for them to be in those places. The fact is that accommodation exists, but because the Home Office have been very slow in processing asylum claims, that accommodation hasn't been freed up. We'd like to see those asylum claims processed in a timely fashion and that accommodation freed up so that people can move into and it's 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 basic accommodation but it means that people have their own front door but being in a hotel is clearly better than being in a camp because people at least have a room that means that they can be they can have a little bit of space and they can self-isolate and they can be safe so that's really important so to this at, at least give some reassurance that the living conditions whether they are at Napier Barracks or in hotels has at least improved for them or, or has the potential to? We hope so. Um, you know, it, this is, it's a basic humanitarian issue as far as we're concerned. The people in the barracks, they're not criminals. They haven't done anything wrong. They haven't broken any laws. People talk a lot about people being illegal. You know, that's not the case under the Geneva Convention, it is perfectly legal to enter a country for the purposes of claiming asylum. And at the moment, they're effectively in a detention centre. The gates are locked, there's barbed wire around them, and these are not suitable conditions for people to be kept in, in any circumstances, but particularly during a pandemic. So the fact that there has been some movement is really hopeful. We would like to see more. We would like to see everybody moved out of the camp at Napier and similarly the camp in Wales at Penelli um, and hopefully that is going to happen because it does feel like people are beginning to understand that in a pandemic these kind of close quarter living conditions they're not going to work. And the area in Kent where those 400 asylum seekers are currently living has had a 167% rise in COVID-19 cases in the last week. In the seven days to January the 19th, the Folkestone Moorhall and Sandgate Ward recorded 195 cases. That's up by 122 on the previous seven days. The Kent Online Podcast with Serenity Parks. Some other top stories and a man's been charged after reportedly driving the wrong way down the Wainscott bypass. The 47-year-old from Gravesend was arrested on suspicion of dangerous driving and drink driving in the early hours of yesterday. He's due before magistrates tomorrow. Meantime, a driver's been arrested after a car was found abandoned on a railway line in Greenhithe. At Kent Online, you can see a picture of the vehicle which had been left near Stone Crossing Station on Saturday night. The suspect remains in custody. It's being claimed a rise in parking charges in Canterbury will kill the high street. The City Council has decided to increase the rate at some sites by as much as 70p an hour. Business leaders say it'll lead to a drop in footfall with many already struggling because of the pandemic. Council bosses, though, say they're also decreasing costs and customers should be encouraged to park where it's cheaper. 
Now, calls to the NSPCC's helpline in Kent and the southeast have jumped by more than 60% over the course of the pandemic. The charities revealed today is getting more than 30 reports a day from adults who are worried that a child is living with domestic abuse. Anna Edmondson is from the charity. She's been explaining how the crisis has affected the situation at home. Fears about the virus are being exploited by abusers and they're using it as a reason to, to try and cut off contact to family and friends or withhold access to children or monitor people's movements, all using the pretext of the pandemic of, of keeping them safe. A conservationist says lockdown restrictions are having a devastating impact on animals in Kent. Nick Mitchell, who runs wildlife conservation in Thanet, claims more people have been heading out and disturbing the habitats of protected species. He says he's told police about bikers and people using drones in restricted parts of Pegwell Bay near Cliffs End. Meantime, a wildlife park has confirmed it's having to close permanently due to the impact of coronavirus. Bosses at Sandwich Wildlife Park say the Arctic wolves chameleons, ants and bush babies will be transferred to Wingham Wildlife Park. Organisers of a Kent Festival say it is still going ahead, despite news that this year's Glastonbury has already been cancelled. It was confirmed last week that the five-day event in Somerset wouldn't be going ahead because of coronavirus. However, those behind the Black Deer Festival near Tunbridge Wells say it will still be happening in June. Jill is one of the co-founders of the festival. She's been chatting to Ollie. As far as we're concerned, Black Deer is happening in June in Eridge on the 19, 20, 21 of June. We're really excited. The team's been working really, really hard on everything and it's full steam ahead as far as we're concerned. Obviously, we are looking at all the government guidelines. We're working with all the appropriate authorities on how we're going to actually do this. But we are very much uh, gates are opening in, in the world of Black Deer. Specifically with the Glastonbury cancellation, um, that's probably got people thinking, so what does this mean for my festival that I've got tickets for this year? Um, so, I mean taking into account the fact that 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 festival has been cancelled where what, what was kind of the reaction for you guys when you saw when you saw that yesterday think, you know we're in the industry so it wasn't totally unexpected and understanding the way glastonbury has to uh, the, the build time for glastonbury is huge and the numbers involved with building that world are huge it's a very different dynamic to you know a 20,000 15 20,000 capacity festival which you know the comparison is you know um uh, glastonbury could take up to you know nearly three months the whole build time ours is you know just under three weeks so you can understand that there's a lot more time available for uh, black deer to be able to you know work through what we need to be doing understand all the dynamics of, of what the legislation is and work with it so you know, we've got time on our side and, um, you know, we're working with all the guidelines that are required to open gates. And what is the capacity for Black Deer? Uh, Black Deer is a 20,000 capacity festival. So that is significantly less than a than a massive festival like Glastonbury, which I suppose presume is why it takes them such a long time. Exactly. A lot of long lead time. Exactly. When you've got 200,000 compared to 20,000, you can understand uh, that, you know, the, the, the ratios on that. And that's why we, you know, for us in June, we've got plenty of time. Um, Glastonbury had to make a decision. Um, because of the build times and the cost involved of bringing all of those people on site 
to to um, to make it work. Head to kentonline.co.uk to see a CCTV image of a man police are hunting after a dog was reportedly stolen in Hollingbourne. It happened just before nine last Monday morning in Upper Street. The man was seen leaving the scene in a white flatbed van towards Bredger and Sittingbourne. And Nando's could be opening in Sittingbourne this summer. Bosses have submitted plans for work to get underway at the site on the newborn place at Leisure Quarter. It comes after Pizza Hut's announcement its branch on the retail park has now permanently closed after being forced to shut at the start of the pandemic. And with more of us receiving deliveries at home during the pandemic, it's meant more unusual things being captured on doorbell cameras. At Kent Online, you can see some of the more surprising moments, including a sonic boom and a postman throwing a parcel 30 feet over a fence in Margate. Kent Online Sport. Football and the Gillingham managers admitted his team weren't at their best at the weekend. They drew two all against Rochdale. We caught up with Steve Evans after the game. Very scrappy first half. Conditions weren't as, as good as they probably looked on the screen for supporters watching at home. as windy conditions at Swirly. You know, we spoke to the boys a bit about starting the front on the front foot second half. I think we did that. We missed two clear-cut chances. I know we say, well... Is that a good save? Well, it's proven not to be a good save at these times. We're disappointed. I'm, I'm majorly disappointed because there's key moments in games, like I say every week, and the key moments for today are the start of the second half when we make two gifted chances that, that boys will look back on when they when they see the highlights tonight. They look back. They know they didn't address them, put their hands up, especially corner. But they look back tonight and they'll be they'll be disappointed. You see teams when they score in the 95th, 92nd, 93rd minute, they make go and score again 95, 96. We don't get that opportunity today because three minutes is added for three goals in that second half. A raft of substitutions, a player down for a minute and 40. So that's frustrating. We don't think we'd be getting that away from home. That result means the Jills remain in 13th place in League One and not long before they're back in action, they take on Crew Alexandra tomorrow night. That's all for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can subscribe to the IM News app and that will give you access to all KM Group newspapers. Just head to subsaver.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Kingsdown Meadow, located in beautiful Kent countryside. New homes available. Search Serenity Parks.